great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, I've got a warning for you when you shop on Amazon that could lead to a big ripoff for you. And later, airlines coming up with fee on top of fee on top of fee. How can you avoid some of those fees? I have a really weird way that I save on airline fees that I'll share with you. So every once in a while, we have the privilege of having David Lazarus join us, who is the consumer guru extraordinaire of the Los Angeles Times, who finds stuff that, gosh, I mean, whoever can find the stuff that you find, David, but it's great to have you here again on the Clark Howard Show, because I always look forward to your columns, and you have such a great wit about you, and I'm especially interested in a warning you have about a solicitation that people have been getting. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you very much for having me back. Absolutely. So there's a pitch going on about Social Security and protecting Social Security, guaranteeing your Social Security, and the way you do all that is you send money. (laughs) Yeah, and this is particularly insidious because it's targeting seniors, and it's going right for an area that seniors care a lot about, and that is Social Security and the knowledge that those monthly checks are going to persist and will not diminish in any way. It's a very serious matter because, as we all know, Social Security is going through some bumpy times. It's not bankrupt, as a lot of people say, but it's getting a lot of strains and pains from all the claims being put in by baby boomers, and there's some serious decisions that have to be made. And that also represents an opportunity for, let's say, less scrupulous organizations to put uh, the fear of Jesus into, into seniors. And in this case, we're talking about a mailer. It's, it's roughly a booklet. Let's say it's got about a dozen pages in it. Seniors across the country have been getting it. I, it came to my attention after some in Southern California got some and sent it to me. And it's just, it's hinky straight across the board. It's from a group called the Coalition to Guarantee Social Security, which identifies itself as a project of the Christian Seniors Association, which is itself a division of something called the Traditional Values Coalition. So you're looking at a lot of, you know, largely conservative entities here. However, the Traditional Values Coalition itself has been listed by the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center as a hate group. So there's your first red flag. Uh, The second red flag is that when you look more closely at this mailer and you look at not only what they're pitching and what they're talking about but also the fundraising aspect of it and then you see red flags all over the field and so supposedly they are trying to use money to lobby to get past this guarantee social security act but there is no such thing is there (laughs) well you say that like it's a big deal come on (laughs) no no you're right that's the real turning point of this, and that's what really shocked me as I lifted up the hood and started looking at the workings of this thing, was the entire fundraising pitch is predicated on legislation called the Social Security Guarantee Act. 
In fact, the, the mailer says, quote, will you help President Trump, a champion for senior Americans, enact new no-nonsense legislation that would prohibit politicians in Washington from ever reducing the amount of your Social Security check, which, of course, a lot of seniors would get behind, and that's ostensibly what this Social Security Guarantee Act would do, except it doesn't exist. It turns out that there was a bill by that name that was introduced in 2016 by Representative Walter B. Jones of North Carolina. It went nowhere. It had no co-sponsors. I talked to his office and was told that, no, he hasn't introduced any follow-up legislation. And yet this mailer, which again is going out now, refers to this legislation like it still is around. It refers to the new Social Security Guarantee Act being proposed to the U.S. Congress, which... There is no such act, and it is not being proposed, and that's very misleading. But wait, wait. The punchline, ultimately, is the money that people are donating because they think they're giving money to help get this done. Where's that money really going? Well, again, you know, and there's so many moving parts to this thing, but the, the text of the mailer suggests that it's all going to go towards passing this act and defending Social Security, which is, of course, going to be of great interest to many, many seniors. But when you delve into the fine print of this thing, and I'm, I'm a scholar of fine print, it says, and this is beautiful, quote, all contributions are combined to help pay traditional values coalition expenses, which are necessary before traditional values coalition may engage in its other important activities. In other words, all donations to the Coalition to Protect Social Security will go to the Traditional Values Coalition, which, again, is designated a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center because of its stand on LGBT issues and also uh, its anti-Muslim positions. And, and apparently it's an open question as to whether any of the money actually gets past the Traditional Values Coalition because I pulled up the tax return of these guys. So the most recent one was for the year 2015, and I found that in that year, they had $1.7 million in revenue, almost all of it from contributions. Okay, fine. Except you dig a little deeper, and it turns out they had $2.3 million in expenses, which means an annual loss of $650,000, which makes you wonder, wait a minute. So are any of these contributions to protect Social Security actually being used for anything except paying the salaries of people at this Traditional Values Coalition and paying for their direct mailing and, and all their other ancillary services that they use for fundraising. And I couldn't get any good answers to those questions. So, David Lazarus, ultimately, the point of all this is that we get solicited for so many causes, so many charities and the rest, and we give, taking at face value, what we're being told in a solicitation is the actual fact and what you find when you tear away at the layers is it isn't at all as it seems. I think the takeaway for everybody and particularly seniors who might be on a fixed income is to never take things that, re that arrive in the mail at face value, especially if they're asking for money. If there's any fine print, 
read it. If you don't understand it, reach out to somebody like me or you, Clark, and see if, if there's some answers that can be gotten. You can also go to a, an organization called GuideStar, which represents charities and nonprofits, and, and will have ratings for some of these. And then, as a last resort, always Google. Google the names of all the organizations behind these things, because oftentimes, as I did here, when you start lifting up rocks and expose things to sunlight, you watch all the little critters go scurrying for cover. Wow. Well, David Lazarus, thank you so much for joining us on the Clark Howard Show. And I can't wait for the next (laughs) thing that you uncover under a rock somewhere. A great pleasure. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks. So there you have it. As you've heard me through the years, with any solicitation you receive, you got to know is it legit? Is it above board? Is the money really going to go to the cause you believe in? And finally, is the money spent efficiently? David mentioned GuideStar. I mentioned Give.org, uh, Charity Watch, Charity Navigator. All these organizations allow you to see first, is an organization legit? Second, do they spend your money well? Alex is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Alex. Hi, Clark. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. So you have a puzzling question that is a puzzle. So many people don't know where the pieces should go. Hit me with it. Um, yeah. So my husband and I are 25 and 26, and we have quite a few student loans. Um, and right now we're paying them all at the normal amount. It's not adjusted for income. Um, but so does that mean you'll if, be done in 10 or 30 years paying them off? Um, they differ. Um, it's, they're all pretty much from 10 to 15 years. Okay. All right. So you're looking at being done with them somewhere in your 30s. Yes. All right. Um, and we don't have an issue paying them off. It's not a, we have the income to pay them off and we budget well to get them paid off and pay the full amount every month. Very good. Um, But we're wondering if we should start putting more money into paying off the principal of the student loans, or if we should start investing more money. Um, And it's kind of a question of if we pay off the student loans, they're paid off and then we're paying less interest. But if we're investing it, then we could use that money if some sort of emergency came up and we needed more liquid cash. So, Alex, let's move to a, a third issue. And that is, what option do either of you have where you work to save for retirement? We are both doing, um, he has a 401k, I have a simple IRA, and we're both doing the full match. Okay, so you're putting in up to gather the full match. So that means you're putting effectively like 6% of your pay in each, somewhere in there? Yeah, yeah. And then you get employer matches of how much each? Um, he puts in 4% and gets 6% match. I put in 3% and get a 3% match. All right. And so is 3% the maximum match you can get? Correct. Okay. So you're each putting in, grabbing the full amount you can. All right. Mm-hmm. And the alternative on your student loans, what kind of interest rates do they carry? Um, they're between 5 and 7%. Okay. I would say that... Um, if you look at it as a triage kind of thing, if you have spare cash, 
throw it towards the 7% interest rate student loans. Mm-hmm. And that would be, I know this is weird, but it's, uh, it almost trumps putting money in a savings account for a rainy okay. day. Because the savings account, even if you do an online bank, you're going to earn 2% on the money. You're mm-hmm. getting an instant 7% return on the student loans. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like you are very cautious and methodical as a couple about money. Yes. <laughs> and so you, you want to have the best financial picture you can. And the more you're able to reduce the outstanding student loan debt, particularly the 7% interest rate debt, considering mm-hmm. today's prevailing rates, that's where I'd put the emphasis. Okay. So was the education worth it? It was. I, we both really loved our education. We went to college together, um, and I think we both have good jobs now. Well, that's fantastic. Well, best to both of you. Thank you. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is a special warning for you. When you go to shop at Amazon.com and you're picking an item to buy, and that item's listed as like the best possible one or the best seller, How do you know you're not being hoodwinked? Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. There have been rumors floating around for a while that the results on Amazon when you were looking for an item were not legit. That there was a lot of manipulation of them going on. And now Amazon itself admits that they are having a problem with employees taking bribes in order to remove negative um, ratings on a company or a product. Because, you know, on Amazon's marketplace, more than half of all items being sold are not actually being sold by Amazon. They're being sold by third parties through Amazon's marketplace. Unless you look closely, you don't even realize you're not buying from Amazon. Most shoppers on Amazon are shopping now more often than not on their phone. You look at the first several listings, and then you're done. And so there's a whole seamy underside, underbelly going on where listings are being manipulated, bribes are being paid apparently, and the results you see are false results in order to get you to click to purchase. And you think about what's happened over the years with items, uh, with businesses being reviewed by Yelp or businesses being reviewed on, reviewed on TripAdvisor and all the manipulation that's gone on at Yelp and TripAdvisor, it's no surprise that there'd be a similar problem going on with Amazon. And I'm not telling you not to trust the ratings you see. But what I am asking you to do is because this is a known issue, a known problem, and Amazon is apparently working very hard to try to ferret out the employees that are taking bribes, the employees that are helping manipulate listings, the businesses paying bribes to improve how they look on Amazon. Remember, there's so much money at stake for these independent sellers on Amazon 
that there's a great temptation to pay the bribes and manipulate the system. You have to take more time before you buy an item when it's being sold by a marketplace seller. And remember, most of the time you're buying from a marketplace seller, not from Amazon. And Joel, I think we have time for an Ask Clark here. Yeah, Clark, let's take one from Kim. She says, I do not understand why Clark always says debit cards can wipe out your bank account because my statement with the card always says I am only liable for $50 if the card is lost or stolen, just like my credit card says. What am I missing? Well, they're only giving you part of the disclosure. The uh, $50 is only if you notice immediately. Otherwise, the liability then jumps within 48 hours to $500. And then if somehow you didn't notice for two months, it jumps to unlimited, where with a credit card in the first two months, your liability caps at 50. In addition, you have no rights to dispute a charge on a, on a debit card the way you do with a credit card. It's my pleasure to have you join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. I fly every airline just about there is in the United States every year. I fly on the three full fares. I don't normally get to fly Alaska because they don't tend to serve routes I fly, but I fly JetBlue, Southwest, Spirit Frontier, Allegiant, and each of them have their own pluses and minuses, their own things you need to be aware of. And I want to address one that is something that's come up with callers on multiple occasions involving flying Allegiant Frontier Spirit, WOW Norwegian for the international stuff, flying any of the deep discounters that fly what are known as thin schedules, where they may fly a route only a few times a week or maybe just once a day and what happens if you have a flight cancel and this is a real problem if there's something that you just got to be at it is the downside that I never address with the deep discounters with what I call the hard discounters is the uh, the consequence if a flight gets canceled. I recently was booked on an Allegiant flight and ended up uh, in the 24-hour period I could cancel and get a full refund. I did cancel because I started thinking, well, if that flight cancels, how am I going to get to where I need to go? And I had a speech I had to be at. And as tempting as the fare was, I canceled that and booked that time I booked on, I think I booked on JetBlue to replace that. And I knew that there were three frequencies a day to where I was going, and I would be okay in the event of a flight mishap. I would still be able to make it to my destination, same day at least. And so that is an issue that I don't shine enough light on even though the reason we have all these ultra-cheap fares in the United States right now is only because of Spirit, Frontier, and Allegiant. And then with the bag thing, with the fees, I mean, it's hard to tell the difference between the full fares 
and anybody else because they're all trying to pick your pocket with the baggage fees. And I now have a jacket that's specifically designed to get around that that has nine pouches built into the inside of it. And the last time I flew Frontier, I went with a micro carry-on that they permit for free and my jacket with all the nine pockets stuffed. And that was a five-day trip I was going on, and I was able to get everything I needed between the micro carry-on and the jacket. And this is something that now more and more companies are selling clothing specifically designed for travel. There are now these, uh, for lack of a better word, ultra-cargo slacks you can buy that have pockets all over them for people trying to avoid baggage charges. Yes, it really has gotten to that point. And there's a story I shared several years ago when I was flying Ryanair in Europe. And my bag had to be 10 kilos, which is 22 pounds. And it came in at 12. And I was going to have to pay a huge baggage charge. And so I I asked if I could take some things out of my bag. I went in the restroom and I put on two pair of pants, three shirts, and a sweatshirt and a jacket. And went back and weighed and I was 9.9 kilos. And I was the same weight for the plane but I avoided the fees. It really did happen. Brett's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brett. Hi, how's it going, Clark? Great, thank you. Brett, how can I be of service? Well, I've been trying to uh, refinance my son's um, college loan, and I've ran into nothing but problems for each credit union and bank I've gone to. What's the story with his loans right now? Well, he, um, he... Currently dropped out of college because it was getting a little too pricey for him, uh, being out of state. And uh, since I'm a co-signer on it, I started picking up his payments for him. Oops. Okay. (laughs) You did the right thing because if you look the other way, it would have just demolished your credit. What kind of interest rates do your son's loans have? Unfortunately, it's at 11.75. What? Yes. 11.75%. And how much total is owed on them? Uh, $30,379. And do you rent or do you own your own home? I own my own home. And Brett, what kind of equity do you think you have in it? Uh, Well, I I probably could pull about 50 to 60 uh, grand off of it. That's exactly what I'd do then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're totally on the hook for these. The law, as Congress has intended it, is brutal to anyone with student loans, even private. These are private student loans at that interest rate. And so if you, is your credit score good? Yes, sir. So if your credit score is good, it would make more sense for you to take this 30 plus grand and put it against your home as a home equity line, which would be a floating rate or preferably a home equity loan. How how many years do you think it would take you if the interest rate was like half this to pay off a 
a $30,000 balance? Ooh, it'd probably take a little bit. Five years, 10 years? Probably 10. 10? Okay, I'm looking right now at SoFi, which I don't know if you've seen them. I have not. SoFi, if you qualify 10-year loans, their rates uh, are from 5% to 7.5%. Okay. And that would not be against your home. That's just a loan they'll do if you qualify. And that could potentially save you an enormous amount of interest. And otherwise, if yeah. you are you a member of a credit union? Actually, USAA. All right. Have you talked to USAA about doing a home equity loan for this I 30000 oh, I'm sorry. I didn't at the time. I have uh, called and I was... I just asked about refinancing a uh, student loan, and they cut me off right there. Yeah, so instead what you ask them is about doing a home equity loan. And I don't remember if USAA Bank does those, but uh, it's a very common credit union product where you borrow for 5, 10, or 15 years. All righty. Try to do the 10-year if you can, because the interest rate really steps up on a 15-year. But I'd start at SoFi, S-O-F-I, com if they don't want you then uh go to usaa and that might be where you'd go okay but um the credit union you have i'm sure you have credit unions all around you where you live brett oh definitely and so you can see who does the best deal on again they all push home equity lines everybody does in a case of how many years it's going to take you to pay off the 30, you want to do a home equity loan. Because the difference is that's a fixed rate where a line is a floating rate. Okay. And I neglected to thank you for your service. Which branch of the military were you in? I was in the Navy. Well, thank you so much for doing that for us. Uh, it was an honor. So, wait, so you never joined Navy Federal? Well, I did, but um, I liked USAA better, so I crossed over. Okay. There's nothing wrong with having both. I have both. Okay. And in this case, the home equity loan may not be a product available from USAA, but would be from Navy Federal almost certainly. And then you've got all the smaller credit unions. Navy Federal's ginormous, but then you've got all the smaller credit unions around where you live. Okay. So I hope you can get that burden down and that your son finds what he wants to do with his life next. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Best to you. (laughs) Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. How can I be of service to you today? Well, my question is when I rent a car... And I always turn down all their insurance, and I want to add an additional driver. They want to charge me $10 a day. But if the driver, for example, is my daughter, and I know she's on my insurance policy, do I still need to tell them that I'm letting her drive the car? Yes. Never violate the contract and have an unauthorized driver drive the vehicle. Because if something does go wrong, the insur- the um the car rental company will make your life miserable for violating the terms of the contract. 
But I do have an alternative that avoids having the $10 a day fee. Okay. And that is if you're a Costco member, Costco, with its Costco travel arm, almost all car rentals are rented with an additional driver being free of charge. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you a Costco member? I am. So if you go, instead of going to Costco.com, go to CostcoTravel.com, sign into your account, and then you'll see the options with the car rentals. And if, if the Costco rental is equivalent in price, then all you do is save the daily driver fee. If the Costco rental is more money, then you may find it's cheaper to do the lower cost rental you found elsewhere and pay the $10 a day. But usually the Costco travel car rental prices are competitive, if not cheaper, than you'll often find other places. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bill is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bill. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Bill. How can I be of service to you? Well, first, I'd just like to say it's a true privilege to be on your show. I've been listening to you for a number of years. Um, what I'd like to discuss is I had uh, an old high school friend that I got in touch with after a number of years, and he's doing quite successful at stock trading. Uh, we had a long, in-depth conversation about uh, education, research, and other things that he said are incredibly crucial to being successful doing what he does. And he gave me a couple of resources to start my journey in this direction. Uh, my wife and I, we have well-funded 401ks. We've been savers our whole life. And I had just turned 40 uh, about a week ago. Well, happy and birthday. Well, thank you very much. But the way you'll really know you're 40 is if when you get up off the sofa, you grunt, or when you lay, <laughs> sit down on one, you grunt. Till then, you're not really 40. Not, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Oh, good. I'm still much younger. But, All right. Uh, nonetheless, uh, he had recommended a school, which I'll leave nameless, that's, inside, uh, that's within suburban Orlando, where I live. And then he also mentioned an individual whom I'll also name, leave nameless, uh, that is involved in the speculative uh, realm of uh, lesser traded stocks that aren't on normal exchanges. Uh, pink sheets, pink sheets, pink sheets. Yeah. Yes. I do know that you're not a fan of them in particular. I just want you to I hate talk. them. I hate them. I hate them. I mean, how do you hate a stock? How do you hate that kind of idea? All right, so the thing is, you're doing the right stuff. You're living on less than what you make. You're saving money. You're being dull about it. Dull wins over the long haul. Doing trading strategies where you pay for a program and you learn supposedly how you're going to make money on thinly traded stocks, that is completely speculative. It's not real investing. It's a, it's a real like testosterone loaded kind of thing and if your friend is thrilled and happy and feeling like he's at the top of the world let him feel that way but okay. he, he's been doing it now for uh, almost two decades great and he, he's done quite well at it well let him do it i mean and if he's if he's uh, is this what he does full-time as professional trading yes and if it's working for him 
let them just keep at it. But uh, there is no free lunch here, and the problems with doing speculative investing are, well, it's not, I don't even look at it as investing. I just look at it as speculation. It's not my thing. My, I'm completely wired to be all about being a turtle. You know, step by step, putting money aside, diversifying it well, letting it just grow over time. I'm Dullesville. And it's okay, hard well, for Dullesville to compete with somebody who says, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm rich. You should well, see what I'm doing it, now. He's made it very, very clear that he's lost. And he's lost big time in certain instances. But he had always said that uh, research, proper education, uh, led him to being a winner more than a loser. And over the long haul, <laughs> he said he is quite successful. Over well, it. good for him. But you don't sound like the gambling type. If he, if you love going to casinos and throwing money down at the tables, then this kind of strategy maybe is more your kind of thing. It isn't mine, and I can't give you a green light to do that kind of investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark, where you post a question for me at Clark.com, and then producer Joel asks it for you. Clark KJ wrote in and said, Clark gurus and prudence say not to time the stock market. However, common sense and logic say that market the market is set to go down soon, and if not in one month, maybe in 10 months. But what is your advice in this situation? Should I follow the gurus and continue investing as planned, or change my asset allocation reduce equity exposure, and get back into the equity game after the market cools down. So we don't know if a market bust starts tomorrow, next month, next year, two years from now. I mean, obviously the market is fully valued right now. By some measures, the stock market is overvalued. But we never know when it turns. The key is steady as you go. I put money in every month, and that way in months that values are high, I'm buying less shares. When the market declines, I keep putting money in, and that means I'm buying more shares with the same dollars. It's a long game, and unless you need the money in the next few years, I think as long as you're well diversified, stay in it because it's just too hard for any of us to be able to time when to get out when to get back in. It is a game that is one that's really just a matter of luck. And I'm not about luck. I'm about creating financial security over time. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bassanetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, and Damon Marley. You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com, thanks to Sally McDonald, and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff. And their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227. And this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.